Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today is Carl Havens in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Carl. Good morning from sunny Florida, where it's zero degrees centigrade or 32 Fahrenheit right now. And I have laryngitis, so my voice might give out soon. Um, This is our holiday episode um, and we're going to get over with really quickly. Happy holidays to everyone around the world. And on to Johnny. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, um, that's it for Christmas this week. So, uh, thank you. Um, and uh, Johnny is in Chicago, Illinois. Hello, Johnny. Hey, good morning. How's everybody? Why is it so cold there, Carl? Yeah, I know we've had we've had the most bizarre weather. It's been um, it's going to be eighty later this week. So we get these really intense rainstorms and thunderstorms in the winter, which I've never had before. And I, I, 80 degrees, and then um, three days later, it's down to freezing, and then it'll it's go all, back it's, again. It's also zero degrees centigrade here this morning, so we have the same, the same that? weather currently, presently, except my uh, backyard uh, pool. The heater's working in mine, so I'll be in the pool today. Out oh, my back. heater works. My heater works. Oh, it does it just take yeah. a huge amount of energy to heat that whole pool up? But we we have a we have a spa, and we heat that up and go in at night. Yeah. Mm. Alrighty then, Dr. Havens. Dr. Havens, joining us today from the hot tub. <laughs> well, it's not zero degrees in there, which, 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 which is great. Right. Um, but by the middle of the day, it'll be in the, um, it'll be in the mid-60s Fahrenheit. Another episode of Classic Lenses Podcast covers the weather. Coming to you this morning from... <laughs> are, we, are we doing degree, degrees in centigrade and in Fahrenheit, just to confuse everybody as well? Only for zebras. Yeah, only for the zebras listening today. So that's that's Christmas done. That's the weather report done. And uh, I just also want to start off by thanking Evo Mikkelsen uh, for joining us last week. And uh, it was great to have you on. And we all learned quite a bit about uh, FD mounts and uh, the Edmica uh, replacement mount as well. So that was uh, that w- that was all good. Um, this week we've got a, a few. Uh, topics uh, we we want to cover off, and I've completely forgotten what they are. <laughs> <laughs> so so on that basis, uh, Carl, would you like to go first? <laughs> oh, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to talk about. Okay, um, <laughs> the poll. Let me talk about the poll. That sounds like a good talk idea. Talk about your poll, Carl, and then we'll talk okay. about your balls later. That yeah, is actually we'll, coming we'll talk up. About them. I'll talk about that yep. later. Right. Yep. Okay. We can do that next. Okay. So I did a poll um, and asked people, did they shoot um, only digital cameras? Did they shoot digital and film? And um, if they shot film, what kind of film camera did they use? And um, the largest number of people shoot only digital. Kind of expected that. But um, kind of unexpectedly, there's a large percentage of people that answered who shoot both digital and film on a regular basis. And I said, um, once a month shooting a roll. So that's, that was, uh, Ben said, that's not a, a low bar. I was thinking it was a low bar, but, um, so we've got, we've got a, a large number of film shooters on here. And I kind of wondered about the rangefinder versus SLR. I guess it's not too surprising. Um, there's 10 people who responded that said they shoot mostly on rangefinders when they shoot film and, um, 29, who shoot mostly on SLRs. And what else do we have? There's one per three people who shoot only film. 
that's it. Isn't that exciting? Well, I, th- I think the, the the interesting thing for for, for me there um, was actually the, the the number of people that are are shooting both uh, digital and film, and and we're talking about a poll that's in the our Facebook group, uh, which is photography with classic lenses. So, unsurprisingly, yeah, the the majority of people, and we had one hundred and one people respond to say that uh, they exclusively shoot digital, and uh, and then sixty four people. Um, said that they do both, um, and that was that's that's quite a bit higher than I was expecting. I've I've, I've got to say, I, I I mean we don't we don't get a huge amount of film photography in in the group in in the in our in our Facebook group, but it's uh, it does crop up from 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 time to time. So it was a, it was a little bit surprising to see that you know sixty four percent of people that certainly responded um, were were film shooters. So I was uh, I was very very pleased to see that. Me too. So tell us about the uh, worms. On to Carl's balls. Um, yeah, you don't tell me. Please tell me you don't have worms on your lenses too. No, Carl, I don't have any worms in my lenses. I I wouldn't buy a lens like that because I'd inspect it carefully to make sure it was truly mint and good and healthy and everything. So um, I am opening up. Uh, so what I did, what we're talking about here. Um, should, should we, how far back should we go? Should we talk about the whole, the whole, sure, the whole thing from the start? I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Okay, all right, all right. So, um, uh, Carl and I were having a chat about uh, lenses, cameras, etc. And and as we know, I'm sure it has been mentioned here that um, uh, Carl has not had a lot of luck uh, getting a a really good copy of the Canon fifty one point four LTM. Um, he keeps getting them. They keep having problems. They have wormy bokeh balls. They have, you know, Carl, you can tell us about your, tell us just briefly, give us a synopsis of all the problems you've had with your Canon 51.4 LTM quest. And then we'll continue. Well, I don't remember. I don't remember having more than one. Did I have another one? Sure you did. Didn't you have another one that was also bad that had a problem or is it just the one you've had more than one? You've definitely had more than one. I guess I had a second one that had a problem. You I don't did. remember what it was. I, I sent it right back and got my separation. You it. had separation in both of them. Remember? It, yeah, the second one had separation, and I noticed it right away, yeah. and I got my money back. Yeah, that's right. And you knew yeah. to look because you had separation in the first one, also. For, right in the first one, I gave the seller a f- five stars, and had it yeah. for over a month before I noticed. And then I took one of my Christmas photos that I do. You were seeing the Christmas tree in the background, and and saw those worms around in the bokeh balls. And I still have that lens because I right. couldn't get anyone to buy it. Right. So I've wanted one, and, and I've been very leery about buying another one because if, I don't want to go through that shit again. Right. They're all from Japan. It's hard to send them back. They all say seller pays return fee. It's $50. So anyway, we came up with a solution. So, yeah. So anyway, we came up with a solution, which is I, 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 I've somehow managed to acquire um, – well, this is maybe part of the story we haven't talked about, you and I. Uh, I managed to acquire three Canon 7S cameras in remarkably good condition. Um, uh, th- this was back before I got a Canon P. Well, I got the 7S and realized that I, I really didn't like how it felt in my hand. It's just too its too big. It feels too bulky. I don't need the meter, which makes it bigger. Um, and eventually, I got the Canon P, and now all is right with the world. But... As I was getting these Canon 7s, they kept coming with 
uh, 51.4 lenses attached to them. So I ended up with, and here's part of the story. I, I, I thought I had remembered I had three of these lenses. I actually have two. Um, so I have two very nice copies of the 51.4 LTM, um, and three Canon seven S bodies. And I am, I do not have the means to be buying anything right now. And, but I, after, after going through the, um, having, having my Canon P off <clears throat> for service for a month and a half, I realized I really don't want to be without that camera ever again. So Carl's got <clears throat> a nice clean copy of the Canon P. I got a nice clean couple of nice clean, uh, Canon 51, four LTMs. And we decided that we would do a trade. Um, and that also I would not make any more mom jokes mom jean jokes about carl's jeans for a long time so that That's was right. part of that yeah that was part of the deal too so um so what i did is i took uh my two canon 51 for ltm lenses to central camera yesterday and um it was it was nuts yesterday so i meant to do this in the morning and it didn't happen it was actually after we closed um i put each one on uh a leica m10 um and I did some attempted to do some bokeh ball tests to verify that the, they are indeed worm free. Um, <laughs> so this is after hours. There's no lights on, so it's it's dark, but the Christmas lights are still on. So I I, I got I did manage to get some autofocus Christmas lights. Had to explain to my coworkers why I was taking autofocus pictures with two different Canon LTM fifty one fours mounted on a like an M10. And then I explained, uh, Carl's balls. Um, and they all rolled their eyes and said that Carl should take pictures of things that aren't just out of focus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, 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 I took, uh, I, I took photos with the lenses, had the presence of mind to include in one of the shots, the lens that I had just taken off the camera. So I knew that the lens, the shots previous to that were on one lens and the shots after that were on the other lens. So I do know which lens is which Carl. Okay. Um, so I'm inspecting bokeh balls, Carl's balls right now, as we speak, I'm looking at Carl's balls and, um, I will say that everything looks good except, and actually I'm going to, let me, let me open this one up too. So I noticed that, and I didn't. I didn't make any effort to to clean the front element of the lenses, um, but I am noticing that one of the lenses they both render beautifully. Um, you can actually see three D pop. I would say in in the in the bokeh shots. You, you're, doing the, you're doing the sales job now, aren't you? you know, yes, you, you know what's yeah. going to trigger Carl, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So the three D pop is just incredible, and we know Carl loves some three D pop, right, Carl? Right, and I can get it with the worm lens. You get 3D pop with the worm lens? Of course. Yeah? Without even trying. Really? Yeah? Yeah. All right. So I can get 3D pop, um, you know, just doing bokeh shots, which is kind of incredible. So I, I have one shot open from one lens. Now, hold on. I'm going to open the other right now so we can do this live, live on the Classic Lenses podcast. Uh, let's see. Open image. So I'm going to look at these side by side here in Photoshop and... Give Carl the verdict. <laughs> if I can get the other one to pop up on my screen. Well, let's see here. Where is it? This one. Okay. So uh, one of these lenses um, 
there is definitely a difference. And so, but I think it's just that I, because I didn't do and make any attempt to blow the dust off the front elements or anything, but one copy of the lens does have in the Boca balls, um, some more specs than the other, which I don't, I think are, uh, purely a function of maybe what, you know, what's sitting on the lens, not any sort of, uh, defect within the lens. And then also one of them wide open looks like I'm seeing a tiny bit of aperture blade. So maybe the uh, blade, uh, you know, uh, you know, it might not have been open 100%. It might've been just clicked off of wide open. Um, and that's the one where I'm seeing a few little specks. I don't so, want no, you don't want this one. You'd 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 flip out if you got this one. You'd you'd die. You'd freak out. So I I'm going to be sending you the one without any specs, and I will gladly keep the specy lens and and probably blow the whatever dust off making specs. And the and not the one with the blade in the image. That's the same lens. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. And I will yeah. be sending you a Canon P. And so initially I told Johnny, oh, that sounds great. I'll trade you the P for that lens. And he said, oh, good try, Dr. Havens. So I will be, <laughs> so I will be sending you a can of P and a little bit of money too. Right. And, and yeah. And carefully, um, hid, carefully hidden inside of a film canister with some right. expired film. Yeah. In the box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I will, I will be sending Carl an amazing 3d pop machine um, without any specs, blade edges uh or other issues and i will not be saying anything for i i I don't know did we put a time limit on how long i wouldn't make fun of your mom jeans i thought we did but maybe i I just had a very long time you can't make fun of my new camera that's coming either because i have a fantastic camera coming that means i don't need the p anymore oh that that's true we didn't even talk about that yeah (laughs) that's right that's right no, so Pam said, um, I don't have anything particular for you for Christmas. What do you want? And I said, well, she said, just find, get something that you want. And so I bought a, a Voigtlander R3A. Nice. And, um, and, then I, and then I realized, well, if I have that, I need a knock-on 41.4 lens for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, no, can, can, we, can we just say, Carl? <laughs> 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 there is a great thread about that. I, I don't yeah. know if you, yeah, if you started that comment thread on Facebook or not, but there's this great comment series where Carl's talking, hey, I'm, I just ordered one of those and I'm going to have to wait a little while to get the lens. I saw, but, I saw your comment. I know. Yeah. So if you look at the timestamps in this conversation, Carl waited an entire hour. He sat on his hands for an entire hour before going and running off and buying a 40. 40- 40 you know, it's really hard to find <laughs> that lens from a U.S. seller. I didn't want to buy it from Japan. And um, oh, and I bought the hood. I bought that original hood. You did Sorry. buy the hood, the bayonet hood. Too? Yeah, I did buy the original. Wow, hood. wow, you mad dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, we uh, in the chat room. We were we were chatting about this purchase because you were saying well, it was when you you bought the camera, and then therefore you needed a lens. And you were talking in in the way that you didn't have a lens that will go on that camera but you 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 do uh, or did yeah, but, but, but i don't have that lens no <laughs> yeah he wanted that particular lens. i need a void i need a voigtlander lens on my voigtlander camera and i want i want that one so so 
So it'll be interesting just just to understand the the, the, the logic in this because you you have the um, the seven artisans fifty millimeter one point one and in in the conversation um, you were saying well I'm not sure about the image quality and stuff like that and I, I had to point out to you that well any issues there are with that lens is it's got nothing to do with how it renders on film it's how it renders on uh, a Sony full frame sensor now as in like it's yeah. uh, it's a bit iffy in the corners where it's just it won't be iffy in the corners on uh, on, on film so it was sort of using that as a justification to get to go for the uh, the Voigtlander but it was sort of null and void in itself really wasn't it but if there was logic, I wouldn't be sitting here with all these little 50 millimeter and 55 millimeter lenses in front of me that all shoot almost the same. <laughs> or I wouldn't have, or I wouldn't have um, spent time finding a, 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 a auto Takamar 55, one, 2.2, a two, and then a 1. <laughs> and then a 1.8. <laughs> So I, I wanted to have all three. That, that was my reason. That was my reason. <laughs> so I, I'm looking. Uh, I am now inspecting uh, the lenses. I thought I would just do this while we're also talking here on the show. Um, and I found the source of the little specks in the bokeh. It, I can see on the front element in the, it's the same pattern of dust. It's uh, some little. There's some little specks. Yeah. on the front front element of one one of these lenses yeah and it's that one and i also am seeing internally a couple of circular swirl marks which you know may have been there from the day of uh construction or somebody may have had it apart at, at one time but this yeah, other one good. carl the one that you're getting yeah. Yeah. Um, aside from a little coating of dust which i'll blow off for you it yeah. it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So they're they're both beautiful. But the one, the one that Carl's getting did not, uh, at least during the test, um, didn't have anything on the front element that would have caused any bokeh defects. So now, the real go. funny thing about this is all is that lately I've been enamored with shooting lenses that have an a, a maximum aperture of two point four and two point two. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> well, I was going to say, and honestly, when I realized that, because I, so I, 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 I was, I was looking around yesterday morning, you know, making myself late for work, of course, um, trying to find my third Canon fifty-one point four LTN to take in for the test, and then suddenly realized, oh, actually, I really do only have two, and then I'm thinking, well, shit, I. I, I always meant to get a second one because it's such a good lens. I figured I'd sit on it and, you know, always have two. And I'm like, oh, geez, I'm going to trade my second copy. And then I realized I have so many other 51. I mean, I have so many other 50 millimeter LTM lenses even that I'm like, oh, whatever. It's fine. I have a 51.2 Canon. I have 51.8 Canon. I got, uh, I, I have the, um, the, that night, that Nikon uh, 50, F2, which is the sonar. So I have I have more than what I need for 50 millimeter lenses, even in range 50 and you know can in uh, in in LTM mounts. So. But, but the fact still remains now you are dangerously low on 50 millimeter 1.4 Canon. That, that's LTMs, true. I'm I only I will have only one. I have they can only. But you have the one. You have one the 1.2 though. You know so. I do the 1.2, and <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna bulk it. I was gonna take that to work too, and I was just already going to be so late i didn't bother to throw it in my bag so um and so you know um a comment that you made in the last podcast 
uh, helped me decide which camera to buy because um, I was going to buy a, a, an R4M. And remember okay. you said, you said well, um, why in the hell get a, um, a camera like that and not have an aperture, pri- aperture priority mode right. option? Yeah. And so that's why I went for the R3A. And the one-to-one viewfinder I think will be cool. It's um, very cool. Shoot with yeah. two eyes and see if that really is true that when you're looking with both eyes, the well, you you uh, can hey, you can test it right now. It. Test it with your you can test it right now with your Canon P, my Canon P, to see if the frames project out and look like they're out on the subject. Yeah, yeah, because it's also the same one to one view. It's one of the things I like about the the P. Ah, okay, yeah. So you can now the problem is the difference is you have three sets of frame lines in your viewfinder, but in your your R, what'd you get the R three A? Yeah, R three A. Yeah, you're gonna have a well. You know, you have a selector switch, so you you uh-huh, will yeah. have only one set of frame lines in the viewfinder at a time. So it's yeah, it, it's that's a nice setup. It's a real nice setup. So what's the, a, uh, just yeah. just curious now? What's the, what's the difference then between a, a, an R three A and an R four A? Is there much of a difference between the two? Well, the R four A. Well, the the R four A. I've never seen an R four A before. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm guessing there is one. Um, yeah, I can't, I'm trying to remember what it is. I can't remember. They're, the they're, between yeah. the R2A and the R3A are different, and it's that one-to-one viewfinder is the main thing, the difference yeah. between those two. The R3A is 0.78 to one or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and I've been reading about this and uh, good and bad reviews, and the only negative review about that camera is that the um, – what is it, Johnny? The distance between the rangefinder – um, windows, be, yeah, the they're closer together, they're, right? So it's, yeah. they're closer together than on a Leica M6 or M7. Yeah, but so what? I mean, especially when you're going to be shooting with a 40 millimeter lens, you're going to have a lot of a lot more. Yeah. You're going to have a, a margin more depth of field enough that it's yeah. it's a that's a great setup. I mean, yeah, that's a great setup. Yeah, I I I'm more so. I don't know if you guys remember. At one point, I had an R3M myself. Um. And I ended up, I had it, I, I bought it. It was literally new. Um, Camera Quest had, uh, it was like, it was like there was suddenly available at Camera Quest and the other uh, US dealer, Voigtlander dealer in New York suddenly had this camera like new in the box. I don't know if they were, they both jointly decided to sell their back stock or what, but. I bought one, um, literally new in the box in the wrapper, and it was like eight hundred bucks. And I, I had it for about a week, and I returned it because there were just a few things that annoyed me. And had I bought it for used for four hundred bucks, I would have been perfectly happy with it. <laughs> but I couldn't. I could just could. I couldn't settle on the annoyance that it was more than I wanted to spend, and it it had a few things that annoyed me so much that I didn't want to keep it. So. Yeah, this one's but, other. This one's one of those other open box new. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, but cool. it's, I got. But I got a, and I got a good price on it because um, everyone wants black cameras, and this is the is the gunmetal gray one. Oh, and um, I don't give a shit whether it's a gunmetal yeah. gray or black. Who cares? Right. Yeah. You're going to be so conspicuous on the street now, Carl. Everyone will know because it's oh, there's that that camera is just jumping right out at me because it's not black. Oh, yeah. Your stealth factor is lost. <laughs> someone, someone posted something last week. I don't remember what the pages was. They were wanting to know how, about painting a camera um, black uh, because it would be really good to be inconspicuous. And someone said, 
What are you talking about being inconspicuous? What are you going to do? Wear a black shirt and black pants and skulk around and hide in the background or what? You think your camera makes you inconspicuous? It's one of the most absurd (laughs) photography cliches, I think, in existence is that somehow black cameras are more stealthy. It's just absurd. I mean, what are you like? Have an invisibility cloak over yourself or something? I mean, it's what's really cool if you look at um, Stephen Gandy's website um, and just scroll down to the bottom of the page where he talks about these cameras. Voylander made about five blue ones. um, That's (laughs) itself, and they look really cool. They're really cool, like deep navy blue colored. And uh, and they just they have if someone has them, they didn't sell them. Wow. it's 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 interesting. I mean, this whole thing about the uh, colours of uh, cameras is, is is an interesting subject. And, and uh, I I can remember when I first had my uh, Olympus uh, EM1, um, the uh, digital camera, and uh, and it wasn't that much longer after that they they produced, which was an all black camera, and then they produced one that was silver. And the silver one, I was thinking, well, that looks lovely now, and I I, I wanted to have the silver one. And I think there's some sometimes it's it's a case that I think. You know, people could be drawn to the the one that there was least of, um, yeah. whatever that might be. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, the silver one became you know more desirable simply because it's just you just don't see don't see them in silver, so therefore that's better. And I, and I think I, I do wonder if it's the same with uh, other cameras. But there's you touched upon something there, Cole, um, about cameras that, that that you use, and I've 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 just started to listen to the the homemade camera. Uh, project uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, yep. And um, I'm, I'm I'm just just working my way through the first episode at the moment. And the the, the, the guys are having a, a, a chat on there, and they were talking about all all different kinds of cameras. And it sounds like it's a really interesting podcast, actually, because yeah, they they're um, talking about modifying cameras and 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 also to the point of actually just building the camera from scratch, including lenses and things like that. So that I'm going to be uh, listening to see how they how they get on with that. Um, but one of the one of the comments that uh, one of the guys made and, and I'm sorry I've, I can't remember your names although I think one of them's called Graham uh, well, that's about as much as I can remember um, uh, was uh, that uh, the camera especially if you're taking people the camera that you use uh, will have an effect upon the su- your subject matter and uh. I never really thought about that but when he, when he, when he said it I was like yeah that's, that's absolutely right you know it, and, and you can tell this if anybody goes out and they use multiple cameras whenever they go not necessarily all you know, multiple cameras at the same time because you will get some strange looks um, but I mean uh, if, you, if you actually go out there with a, a regular camera whether it be a DSLR or a mirrorless camera then you, you're sort of put into a certain bracket but if you go out there with a film camera um, people uh. will look at you differently if it's a film uh, SLR and they can see it's a bit old and much in the same way as when I, when I turn up with my uh, 4x5 camera and a big tripod and stuff and stick my head under a blanket people look at me in a particular way um, <laughs> but but ultimately the uh, the camera that you're using does does have an impact on uh, on on people and if I suppose and if you're doing street photography this is this is this is the thing now when we talk about it being inconspicuous or not does does yeah I, I, I yeah this business about black versus silver when you're doing street photography you're still using the same kind of camera whether it be black or or uh, whether it be a silver camera and I, I doubt very much that the people who are actually having their photograph taken are, are going to understand the, the the subtleties uh between one and another and uh and uh, yeah and as you were already alluding to i think they're still going to see you uh, taking a photograph of them with with one camera or another yeah but I, I have to say when i do street photography with digital 
I do use my my um, XE2, and it's a small little black camera. And I use a I don't ever use it with a silver lens on it <laughs> because I have this idea that that the silver a silver lens will draw attention because it looks so unusual to people who don't know about uh, the old lenses that we use. And and I want to get candid shots, so I I, I use usually that Canon 35 2.8 for street photography because it's not a conspicuous lens at all. See, I think if you if you're using a really odd looking lens, though, I I think that makes you stand out a little bit again for lots of different reasons. But, but I don't want to stand out. I want people to be candid and not not change the way that they their facial yeah, expression. It's like like last night I took a picture of that um, bartender, and I asked her to just pretend she was drinking a, um, a, a whiskey so I could post a picture that said, uh, you know, t test the good whiskey before you serve it. And then she was started, I, you can tell in the picture she was starting to laugh when I took the yeah. photo. Everybody starts acting. Right, I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when, when I say, though, that you're looking at you differently, I, I, or rather stand, standing out, I, I mean the way that that person is going to perceive you. Uh, again, this coming back to you know, the type of camera that you use, the, the the perception of the person that you're taking is going to be affected by it. And if you're and if you're using uh, uh, a Jupiter, you know, Jupiter Eleven or something like that, there's this uh, silver thing that sticks out and look, looks from another age, which it which it is. Um, I'm I'm sure that you're that there's almost like a less threateningness about that than compared to when you're walking around and which I know you do some street photography with your uh, Olympus uh, 180 um, uh, 2.8 lens which is you know effectively a modern looking lens isn't it but it's also I don't, I don't, use, I don't use it anymore and I got shamed away from doing that oh. <laughs> now who would do that to you that's terrible <laughs> no but I know I but I use my Nikkor 105 that, that's the, yeah I, I, so okay uh, <laughs> here's here's all I would say about it is is if someone know is if someone is drawn to uh, you noticing you taking um, a photo of them or whatever it's it's not the it's it's not the camera it's because it's if you don't if you don't want to be noticed taking someone's photo, it's the camera is not a thing that's going to save your ass. It's, it's, it's how you go about it. I mean, it, you, you know, right. It's your body language. It's how you carry yourself. It's your, you know, how you, how you point the camera. It's, I mean, it's like a lot of other things, not the color of the camera. I mean, you know what I mean? No, I know. And, and right. And lately, lately I've been um, walking up to people and asking them, can I take yeah. the photo? And then the first thing I get is them smiling and wanting to pose and stuff like that. And then I say, no, don't, don't you know, can, could you just, just act like you normally would and just, you know, just kind of look straight ahead or look off to the side and I'll do a few shots and, and get them off of that um, posing thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People, it's, yeah. I, people automatically start, start posing if, if you, you know, once the gig is up, it's everything is, is my, four SP, my four SB is going to go away too, Johnny. Yeah. You're going to sell it. I don't need it anymore. I really like yeah. shooting this like the three a right now. Uh, right. I know you reach like for that. The shots like a after a it got cleaned. The, I think yeah. the shots were great, but well, really, you know why were the shots great? Cause I had that, uh, Canon, um, 50 1.8 lens on it that's why the shots were good yeah <laughs> yeah but i get it you just like you just enjoy using that camera i mean if you're going to shoot that if you're going to shoot a barnock style camera you probably going to shoot that one because i know you just you like that camera you're drawn to it yeah 
because I rubbed it on my butt. <laughs> the butt camera. I, so if anybody's know what we're talking about, before Carl got this camera, I rubbed it all over my butt. Oh. That central camera. Every day I would rub that camera butt because it just felt so good. And Johnny he had so Johnny we'll had it it the central camera. camera, and he and he wanted he yeah. wanted it, but he, he he blew his chance to get it. And I know and I don't was, really rub cameras he, on my butt. He went I'm to just, buy. Yeah. I already had bought it from from someone. Yeah, he bought it out from under me. Yeah. <laughs> he bought it right out from under under me. Jerk. <laughs> and then I, and then it cost more to have it repaired. <laughs> that was the, that was the it. joke. Yeah. <laughs> so, now, so now it's it's worth it has more money in it than it's worth. Hey, just I want a related note since this episode has turned into I don't know what, but I don't know. On a on a related note, so Carl's uh 3A that we're talking about, that was almost my 3A that I had in my hot hands daily for about a year. Um when I die so, it's in my it's in my will for you to, to go to you. <laughs> so you that that is the cam- camera that famously has the JH initials yeah uh carved into the top right and and that was one of the things that I always really liked about that camera too is is the you know the amount of wear on it and and the fact that it had those initials on the top and obviously it was you know somebody's initials you would think but it's the mystery of well who's JH and what the hell were they doing with this camera that it's this beat up and you know um so at at Central Camera right now, there is a a very nice Contax Two A on the shelf, um, and it's really nice. I mean, it, it's it's working and everything. But what I like about it is that uh, in so on the bottom plate, there's this little like I don't know what to call it. It's like a little engraving that looks almost like a goldfish. Like it's, it, I I think that's what it is. Maybe we'll do a poll. I'll I'll put it out there and people could and say what they think this little symbol is. And then it's also inside. If you take the the bottom plate off, it's it's inside the the bottom of the camera on the on the bottom along with some initials. So it actually reminds me of uh, of your JH. Leica, Carl, and yeah. Um, yeah, I should post a picture of it. I took I took a couple of pictures of it yesterday, just because I I figured it's gonna sell at some point, and it it's just such a really it's just such a cool little it would make like a a cool tattoo or something, um, but it, yeah, every once in a while something like you see a camera like that that has some sort of little quirk that uh, you know makes you wonder about its past. <laughs> I just need to sometimes sit down with someone who has a camera like this. And uh, with them there, load the film. Every time I load the roll of film, I I lose the first six or so images. Why? You because, do because it, because it, I get it engaged and I know that it's whining, but it, the um, the rewind dial is not turning, and I take the tension off of the film and I do all that shit, and, and so then right. I, up, I open the f- camera up and, and look at what's going on. So and, you, uh, are you trimming your leader? Yeah, I'm trimming the leader properly. And I'm doing you, everything properly, and it okay, doesn't wait, happen. Wait, wait. With the, yeah, I got, I got. Are you do here, here? Okay, here's what it sounds like to me: is that when you put the film in, right? Yeah. You trim the leader, you put the film in, but I always make sure that I actually see the sprocket, one sprocket poking out of the sprocket hole on the film, because if you've got the film in there but it's not truly engaged with the sprockets, it can do that. So I wonder if you're like you have to kind of look. Okay, I'll do that. 
Yeah, like you have to you have to actually almost feel, look, and kind of put your, you know, if you can see the sprocket poking out of the bottom sprocket hole right there, you know what I'm talking about, right? I know exactly what you mean. And yeah, I don't, so yeah, yeah. so may, maybe that'll maybe that'll solve your Barnack loading. Issues. No, I'm the 4SB is fine. I've never had the same thing happen. No, oh, okay, yeah. all right. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, then, it's because um, the Canon LTMs are better. <laughs> yeah, must be. But anyway, it's ready to go, and I'll shoot 30 images. All right. With JCH Street Pan. That's the film to use in this camera, I think. Yeah. For and me, you anyway. Some, you got some good 3D pop in those latest pictures, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, like and I like, I like your subtle um, criticism of my um, photo of the preacher. Did I criticize your preacher photo? I like that yeah, photo. Yeah, you said it's a great shot in film that um, you can't even notice hardly that it's out of focus like you would if it was a digital shot. <laughs> no, but that, wait a minute. That was not a criticism. <laughs> Somebody... it, was a, it, was, it was a Simon. It was the kind of thing Simon. <laughs> it was a, sorry, yeah, it was a very Simon comment. But but no, somebody else had said something about it being out of focus. And I actually came in and said, no, it works just fine. And if it had been digital, you would really it would just look out of focus. It, but I mean, that looks to me, that's like a classic film shot where it's a little bit out of focus and it looks great because of that, yeah. you know, the focus is in the wrong place. It's on the guy's hat because you can see the, you can see the texture in that, um, that hat that he's wearing, yeah. <laughs> but it still has some 3d pop. I mean, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And I got to find that guy cause I owe him a, a matted, uh, print because I, I told him that I would do that in order for him to let me take his picture. Yeah. All right. And after that, you still messed it up. <laughs> no, I've got, but I, no, but the shots that he wants are the black. He wants the color images that I shot with my Sony, with a um, the Nikkor 105 Nikkor. They're, they're beautiful shots, and uh, this one's good too. But he likes he likes the color images. Well, speaking of feedback, huh. <laughs> that, we was, we'd, that was that was seamless. <laughs> yeah. Right. We thought we'd uh, we thought we'd uh, we'd we'd give you we thought we'd go through some feedback for the podcast. Um, now that we've talked about God knows what for an hour or so, uh, so, so we actually have some um, some comments on uh, the Classic Lenses podcast uh, on iTunes, both in the UK and in the US. Um, we have we have comments from uh, I guess that's two different audiences. Um, on iTunes. Um, the first one, oh, I don't know which is which now. You guys will have to tell me which is which. Um, the first one is from FXVSDX. <laughs> uh, and it says, a must a must listen for classic lens users. Uh, very informative, entertaining podcast. Simon and company with their guests cover topics that most other podcasts miss. So that, or, or, or choose not or choose to avoid or choose, yeah or choose not to <laughs> <laughs> and then our, our other feedback uh is another four star from Landbath and Landbath says five star so, five star not four star five star, star sorry star. five star yeah yeah uh so now you know why all the film cameras on eBay are often listed without lenses. Smiley face. This is a passionate and well-informed podcast about classic lenses. Whether you shoot mirrorless, digital our classic film. This is a great listen, humorous and informative. So thank you for the, that's, that's some very, very nice uh, comments there on iTunes. Please leave us an iTunes review, if you will. Well, that, um, that's, well, that is something we've, we've not, we've never actually asked for people to, no. to, to do this. And it's, uh, it's, 
actually this the, the one that you just said from Lambath I think that's actually Ian Bath <laughs> I think that's oh, a Ian Bath yeah. Yeah. okay um, I thought but, it was Lion Bath no, yeah. no but uh, I mean that was on the 18th of November so uh, we, we're, we're really on the ball here by uh, yeah, looking yeah, at yeah. these things but, but, but uh, I would say apparently if uh, podcasts get more reviews on iTunes they do get I don't know if they get featured or favored or something but I read about this so if if dear listeners you want us to be more successful and popular and be able to bring you great new things in 2019 for the podcast please go on and and give us a uh iTunes review and maybe we'll even read that here next time we do comments so um shall we do uh some email feedback next mm-hmm. yeah Okay, um, let's do. Uh, oh, I know. Why don't we? Why don't we jump on over to Instagram for a moment and read our latest <laughs> show synopsis from uh, from from Ricardo over on Best Vintage Lens? Uh, shall we do that? Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> Ricardo has been doing uh, a stellar yeah. job on this. <laughs> Uh, he he reposts um, my post of uh, of the podcast e- each week, um, and he ignores what I've written about it. And yes. he pretty much tells it how he really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so here here's the latest. This is at what episode uh, forty seven synopsis? Is that right? Yeah, forty seven. Forty seven. Okay. All right. Black forty seven. Um, <laughs> so here synopsis: best vintage lens. Episode 47. Check out the latest episode of Photography with Classic Lenses podcast. Link in our bio. On the menu today, we have an entirely, in quotes, <laughs> entirely organic sound, EOS, of Johnny, Simon, and Carl whining about one of the worst lens mount systems ever made, the Canon FD breech lock mount. Johnny channels a cantankerous, grumpy old man. Simon acknowledges the glass is good, but the mount is a pain. While Carl initially says it isn't at all that bad until he takes the rest of the episode trying to mount a lens. (laughs) He may still be trying. Uh, Following a bladder break and time for Simon to kick his dog. Don't worry, Peter. It's just a joke. We have it on good authority. No animals were actually hurt in the making of this podcast. Carl comes to the same conclusion as the rest of the world. Breach lock mounts suck. Luckily, unlike other episodes where these guys just whine, this time they provide a solution in the form of the Edmica mount replacement, which allows you to modify FD lenses to more reasonable mounts. Um, Ivo Mickelson, uh, their guest, explains, if you have had your cap stuck on an FD mount lens, or if, like Carl, you are still trying to mount an FD lens to your camera 48 hours later, check it out. P.S. Uh, <laughs> We should also note that Simon unfairly maligned some good suggestions for naming their Lens Island. Our lawyers will contact their lawyers and we will sue for libel. I mean, as if naming a boat SS Tessar was such a strong stroke of genius. Pashaw, I'd, ra- I'd rather Bodie McBoatface. We will not be deterred. We will continue sending them good suggestions until they relent. So there we have the notes. Um, and I, I think but it should be noted that both Simon and myself in the comments to this comment uh, both agree that this was better than the podcast itself. Um, so you, you definitely the, – the best vintage lens episode synopsis is not to be missed on Instagram. So you'll if you're not on Instagram, it's a reason to go there. It's a reason to check out best vintage lens. Well, you, you will see uh, Boca amazingness in, uh, on display 
made by by classic lenses and maybe occasionally some things that aren't bokeh um so yeah check that out over on instagram for sure uh shall we move on to email gentlemen yep sure yeah okay all right uh first email um and again you can send us email at classic lenses podcast at gmail.com um and they will be read here just not ever by simon uh, so we have from Nigel Cliff, uh, the following subject, breech lock. As Simon well knows, I have an interesting relationship with breech lock adapters, often referring to them as the spawn of Satan. Well, after today's episode, I have had them on and off my three breech lock lenses, like muck off a shovel. Many thanks for this public service, this public information episode, Nigel. Thank you very much, Nigel Cliff. What does that mean, muck off a shovel? Does that mean that it was easy to do, or does that mean that they suck? They still suck. It's 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 a it's an interesting phrase that one, um, uh, and he's it, it's sanitized as well. Um, yeah. you, you substitute muck for another for another word, um, and the, the the general the general view is that if you get muck on your shovel, you get it off your shovel very very quickly. Um, right. Oh, okay. And, uh, so there you go. Yeah. Carl's just never actually held a shovel, so he wouldn't know that. Yeah, he has lovely soft yeah. hands. Yeah. yeah, it's lovely soft. I've held a shovel. We don't, hands. We don't, we don't, I don't shovel muck. And, and, and wears very manly jeans. I just don't, I don't shovel muck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's, let's move on to our next email from Baz F. Uh, and this being uh, Basil Friends, who has been mentioned here on the podcast before, a friend of the podcast, I believe Kofi Donor. Um, a visitor to Central Camera. So um, email from, from Baz F. Great to receive. Uh, subject, questions. Simon, Carl, and Johnny. Great podcast. I always look forward to the Monday download. Um, I know you've talked about what are good intro lenses for someone getting into classic lenses. Um, but what lens mounts do you think are the best value? Uh, what lens mount prices have been least versus most increased by demand from digital shooters? Is there a way to quantify this? Um, this might be a trade secret, but does Simon have any insights into what lens mount mount of adapters sell the greatest quantity? Uh, quantity, right? Yes, quantity. Okay, thought it was quality for a second there, but we know Simon doesn't sell quality adapters, so that would be that would be absurd. Um, <laughs> I guess you would have to compare this to the total stock of lenses that exist in that mount, and there may and there are probably millions of other factors. Um, I know it's a complicated question and is affected by preferences too, but I imagine you all have thought about this. I would say yes, we have. Um, I shoot mostly film and often wondered if some lens mounts are going to be higher value for film shooters in particular. Paragraph. Uh, are there any classic large format lenses? Uh, the consensus of the internet seems to be that all lenses from Nikon, Schneider, Fujifilm, and Rodenstock are generally good, and a few are exceptional. Uh, maybe they can all become special in large format because of the freedom the camera affords. I'm curious if there are any particular lenses uh, or formulations that are above the rest, in your opinion. I'm thinking... Uh, I'm thinking in normal focal-ish lengths up to short telly of uh, 120 to 210 millimeters on 4x5. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Thanks. Regards, Baz. Great email. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, now a of, there's a lot in there. Now that we've shot down um, Canon breech lock mount lenses, wait a couple <laughs> months, and, and there'll be real bargains to be had. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, people are going out and buying the Admica conversions now, though, aren't they? So that's right. That's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Loads, loads of stuff in that email, and I think that's just. I think we just need to go go from the top there and just work work our way through. Um, yeah. Uh, although I'm going to skip one uh, because um, and, and come back to it again because one of the questions there uh, was was regarding well which which is the most popular lens adapter mount. Yeah. And uh, this is a very, very easy answer on that one, because uh, one, one mount in particular always outsells the rest, and that's M42, which yeah, I don't think is going to be that much of a surprise to anybody, really. Um, yeah. There, there were just just the sheer quantity of M42 lenses out there, and the fact that you can uh, adapt M42 so easily, not just to mirrorless cameras, but you can put them onto uh, Pentax K uh, DSLRs and also onto um, uh, onto Canon DSLRs really easily, um, so yeah, it's it's no great surprise uh, that that's uh, pretty much top of the pile. Um, coming in, in in second place equal, I would say uh, because it's it's funny when you when you sell adapters, uh, you, you have runs on on certain mounts and then you don't sell anything for a period of time and then all of a sudden people are buying one thing over another again. Um, but the, probably consistently the the the, uh, the the two that come after M forty two for me at least um, are going to be uh, Canon and Nikon. And when I say Canon and Nikon, I'm talking about FD um, and uh, Nikon F. Um, yeah. the, the Canon FD is perhaps more of a surprise in some respects because uh, you know you can't really use them very easily on DSLRs unless you, you know, use the uh, Edmica conversion or you use an adapter with a, uh, with a glass element in there to correct it, which frankly I'm not particularly keen on. But there you go; it's one way to do it. Um, but Nikon F is not really that much of a surprise because most uh, Nikon cameras you can still actually use that. Some some Nikon cameras are going to be compromised. Uh, you know, you don't get proper metering with with quite a few of them, but you know they're still usable. Um, and I'm and I'm expecting uh, Nikon to be uh, one of the brands that is going to go up. In, in value more so than than, than many others, uh, which is sort of coming back to the uh, one of the original questions there about uh, uh, which which lens mounts provides the the best value for money. Um, in some respects, you could you could say Nikon simply because it's they're just the most adaptable of the uh, of, of the the mainstream lenses that that are out there. With it being having the the long flange distance, meaning that you can pretty much put a Nikon lens onto almost anything. Um, but now that uh, Nikon have entered the mirrorless market in a in a in a, in a big way, uh, I, I expect lots of users want, will want to use Nikon lenses, even though they don't need to use a Nikon lens on their Nikon camera. But I, I get the feeling a lot of people will uh, uh, head in that direction. Plus, of course, a lot of them will be buying uh, the adapter uh, for the. Um, uh, autofocus lenses and therefore you'll be able to use that adapter uh, with the AIS uh, lenses and some of the and some of the others actually you'll be able to use the pre-AI as well um, I think there are some issues with how how that's actually going to meter uh, but I did read about this a, a few weeks ago uh, and I'm afraid I don't know if you guys know any more about this but I think there are some issues with um, how how that's um, I think it's the FTZ Adapter will actually meet with these AIS lenses. Are you are you familiar with that that uh, compatibility, uh, Johnny? Which one is it now? 
the F, at the FT the FTZ adapter for the new yeah. uh, Z Z cameras. Um, you can you can use it to put um, uh, F mount lenses on it, but I'm, yeah. I'm not hundred percent sure how how well it's yeah you know, what level of compatibility there is in terms of auto exposure or whether it's effectively just the same as a, a normal dumb adapter. Yeah, so it's essentially the same old BS about Nikon lens adaptability on Nikon cameras, right? Is that what we're saying? Um, <laughs> yeah, po po possibly, yeah. But it's, yeah. it's, it's a slightly different. I mean, when you've been talking about that, you've been largely talking about autofocus, haven't we, about what the autofocus you can use yeah. and stuff like but that. I, uh, maybe it's uh, – so maybe it's confusion among new Nikon Z users who think that Nikon has just invented the first mirrorless camera, no doubt, um, that you have to just stop the aperture down and shoot through the stop down aperture. Is that all we're talking about? Because I, <laughs> I mean, that should be no surprise to anyone <laughs> unless you're talking to someone who has not ever, you know, thinks that that's no such thing as a mirrorless camera until now. Um, but I, I, I mean, I wonder if that's just it because I, I, I I don't know if they're expecting that somehow the lens is going to uh, suddenly go from wide open to stop down as they take the photo or what, but you're just, I mean, it sounds to me like you're just shooting through the stop down aperture, right? I don't, mm. is it, I, or the, maybe the confusion is the aperture is not, oh, here's another one that I love from Nikon users. The aperture, <laughs> that the aperture is not reading correctly in, in their uh, viewfinder or something on their, DSLR. I've seen that. I've seen people do like b b go into hysterics over that one. Um, that they're 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 not getting the correct aperture reading in the viewfinder, or the camera thinks that the lens is not at the aperture it's actually at uh, because of the mount. I've seen that happen on DS on Nikon DSLRs mounted with you know like f lenses um, because of the you know, the aperture control system. So I don't know what that confusion is, but it, no doubt I'm going to blame it on Nikon user error. <laughs> the thing about cost is interesting, and it doesn't seem related to the mount type. Um, so there are, within M42, there are certain lenses that seem to have been about the same price since I've been buying lenses. A Helios 44, um, four or, or whatever. It, it hasn't changed that much, but... Um, uh, Super Takamura 135 3.5, which I've had, God, I've had probably eight of those. You used to be able to buy those for $25 in mint condition with the hood and the caps and everything. And yeah. now they're three times that price with, and they don't come with a hood. And I don't know why that particular one. And then, um, th there can't be that many users that do this. Johnny and I do, um, who, um, interchange rangefinder lenses. So we use like a thread mount. Um, 39 millimeter lenses on digital Sony camera, mm -hmm. Fuji cameras, and on our um, and on our, our film cameras, they've gone up astronomically oh, in price. God, yeah. And but and it's weird because there's there can't be that many people out there that are that are doing it. I mean, are there that many people who are shooting Leica cameras and things that are wanting to get these lenses? Um, I, I don't know, but the price has gone through the roof. I yeah. I mean, it's so I. <laughs> Oh man, I know, and it's driving me nuts because I, I'm like, I, I'm desperately wanting to get another um, Canon 35 f2 LTM lens because I, I mean, I seriously that 
I absolutely love that lens and it's what lives on my Canon P and I want, you know, to have a second copy because God forbid something happens to mine or whatever. Right. I want to have one. And every time I go to look at one and think, Oh, maybe I can almost buy another, another copy of it. They've gone up another $50 on average and I'm not even exaggerating. It's they've got, I mean, it's ridiculous, you know? Um, So LTM lenses, I I don't even want to say it like buy them now because everybody's going to just make the problem worse. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's absurd how fast rangefinder lens prices have been going up. Um, And, and I, and I think it is because people who've been maybe, you know, doing this a while or the fact that maybe just mirrorless camera adoption rates have, have gone up. I mean, there's just more mirrorless cameras out there. And I think people come to the conclusion that it's nice to have a smaller lens on a smaller camera with a smaller adapter and LTM lenses are just fantastic that way. And, um, and they've always been a great value for people shooting, you know, Leica M cameras because you get really great optics in a much more affordable, uh, package than you're going to get with any M glass. I mean, M glass is just expensive. So it's not like it's a new phenomenon, but I think it's just that there's more users out there and they're getting harder to find. And I mean, let's face it. There a lot of the, these lenses are 50 plus years old, you know? Um, and the Canon ones in particular hold up really well. I mean, a Canon lens, Canon LTM lens from the 1950s is probably in the same condition that it was in in the 1950s whereas most Leica LTM lenses are just haze I mean they haze over it's just it's almost a general rule is that they're they tend to be hazy versus clear um so you know Canon LTM stuff in particular is a really good value there's not as much Nikon LTM stuff I mean they made LTM lenses but um keep in mind that Nikon's main camera mount was the, the you know the the Nikon S mount the rangefinder mount that's similar to the you know the contacts so there's just not a, not as many Nikon LTM lenses out there there are there are some and they're excellent like the we're, we mentioned the um the 50 F2 which is uh, a a sort of Nikon's reimagining of um the Zeiss uh 50 F2 sonar um that's a fantastic lens which you can actually still get it relatively reasonable prices, but the point being, you know, Canon LTM in particular have really, really gone up um, and they're getting harder to find. So LTM is, I would say not a value mount much any, anymore. Um, you, you know what I'm, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it's just getting harder to get them at reasonable prices. So um yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one one thing that uh, com- comes to mind because I mean, when I was just talking about those those mounts, uh, the adapters that are the, the most popular, um, yeah. I didn't mention LTM or or Leica M for that matter, um, and that's because you know they they do not sell as well as you know say Olympus, Pentax K or Minolta MD. Yet uh-huh. the prices are going up as you've identified, they're going up more quickly on LTM and have been for, for some time. And I, I think the answer to that though is because the pool that we're diving in uh, for yeah. for these lenses is just appreciably smaller than they are yes. for SLR lenses. So it doesn't take as much of an impact on the on the demand to actually make those make those prices go up, I guess. Yeah, totally true. Yep. 
Totally agree. <laughs> yeah, there's just not as many out there, and they're older, you know. Yeah. So yeah. not 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 sure entirely. Um, and I think Carl will probably be on the same uh, wavelength as this about uh, you said about how how good Canon LTM lenses are in terms of um, problems. I mean, Carl's had plenty of problems with uh, Canon LTM lenses. And, oh, that's uh, just Carl's though. Yeah, but that's I've just Carl's I've, I've had I've had trouble. <laughs> uh, I've, I've I've come across problems too, especially with the uh, the fifty one point two. Um, I've. I've, yeah, I've seen true. many that's of true. those where the uh, um, the coatings have, have broken down and you'll look through the lens and it looks like there's some water in the yeah. lens, except the water doesn't go anywhere. It, it just it just sticks there. And, well, that, uh, that particular lens is is more prone to haze. Um, and that's that's somewhat well known is that Canon 51.2 LTM lens is is prone to hazing up. Um, so that that one in particular, I would agree, it it does have that. I mean, I, t I it took me I have that lens. It took me oh a couple years to find one that was truly clear and had no haze. Um, so and that was a few years ago when I got it. So yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Uh, I I guess I'm talking more like lenses like the the 51.8 which i know uh carl i know you have one i have one yeah it's, it's still a fairly common lens and honestly it's still a fairly i mean if you want a 50 millimeter canon ltm i would say that lens is still a, a value because you can find the canon either the sirenar version which is all silver which i know you have carl and yeah. then i i have the silver and black the newer version you can still find that lens affordably and i would say hell yeah get that one asap um, but anything other than 50 millimeter Canon lenses, I think are, are getting expensive really quickly. So, yeah, no, that's definitely okay. So, so yeah. just, but talking about, uh, I think we, it'll be too, too much of a subject to go into this one about which, which mount would be the, uh, the, the best one to go to, I suppose, if you were, if you were going to stick with something, um, but certainly one, one thing would be, especially as, uh, as, as Baz is a film shooter as well mm -hmm. and that's going to be a case of well i think that's you're going to be led partly by the the lenses that are available but also you're right. going to be led by what camera you want to use and i think that if you're shooting film i think the, the camera is actually it's it's more important than than with with digital because you know if you especially if you've got a mirrorless you know you can you can move from a Sony to another make or or whatever and you've still got the lens whereas uh, with if you're going to stick with a mount then you've you've got to stick with with whatever Canon or Nikon or whatever somebody's actually produced so I, I think it's just more important therefore to actually find a, a camera that you're you're happy using that you're at home with um, because. I mean, let's let's face it. All all of the big all of the big brands, um, they've all got great glass. You know, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. There aren't there aren't any any major makers out there where the where the the, the lenses are rubbish. Um, although I could say uh, Minolta. Uh, uh, yeah. So, but, okay. but I won't. But I won't say Minolta um, <laughs> <laughs> because because that would upset people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, but hold on a second, Simon, because <laughs> because on the tip of my tongue was if I was going to recommend uh, a mount, a best value mount, especially someone who shoots both film and digital, I was definitely going to recommend Minolta and Olympus because I it's my contention at least that in SLR nobody can see the difference between Minolta, Pentax, Nikon, and Canon. You just can't. You can't. Nobody can tell me 
that if they took a shot from each one of those cameras, especially in a 50 millimeter lens, that they're going to see any difference between the image quality. I just don't believe on film. I do not believe it. Um, So, I mean, I would, so I would nominate in terms of lens price value. I would probably nominate Minolta, especially if you're shooting film, because that to me, it's, I, I think it's still probably the most plentiful at lower cost. I would say Olympus would be second, but as, Carl can also attest, and I believe you can as well, Simon. Um, and I would also is that is that uh, some Olympus lenses tend to get uh, fungus very easily. Um, and I guess I'm talking the f- the 50 millimeter here. Is that I think it's pretty common to see Olympus lenses with the with with fungus in them. Especially, um, I don't know, it, right? Just, the sil- the silver noses in particular yeah. are, are fungus magnets. I, I think the other, the other ones aren't, aren't too bad. But the the one of the issues with the with the Olympus lenses, especially the fifties, is that they seem to be if you do get fo- fungus in those and they're not the silver noses, uh, mm-hmm. you tend to get them in the rear group, um, and they're just yeah. an absolute pain uh, to gain access to. So uh, it just makes it that much harder to actually do something with them. Yeah, right. So I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, the 51, 51.7 is as bad as the 51.4. Mm. And um, and we're right, because I've, I've had a 51.7, maybe two of them. 1, 1. And, 1. 8, 8, yeah, 1.8. 1.8, okay. And um, so the 51.4s, yeah, that I've had several with fungus. But 51.8s I've had from Japan with fungus, and um, the sellers have just said, keep them. And so I've taken, tried to take one apart and ruined, ruined one of them by trying to take it apart and fix it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, I would nominate uh, Minolta followed by Olympus. And I would also nominate the Minolta and Olympus cameras as best value SLRs over Canon and Nikon, simply because Canon and Nikon, you're, you're, you have always been paying for the name in the terms of film camera prices. So that would be my nomination. And I mean, Pentax as well, but Pentax I think has gotten, I think Pentax has also gotten pricey because the K1000 has gone through such a like a price craze. Um, the K1000 and the Canon A1 in particular, I think, are two cameras that the internet has like lost their shit over. So the prices have gone up on those in particular. Um, but Canon and Nikon have always been more expensive systems. So, so if I if I could only keep two mounts. And someone said you can have whatever cameras you want, but you can only keep two mounts because I shoot film and digital. And I'm thinking about swapping lenses out. I definitely would want a, an LTM mount um, and and the ability to do that. And then um, and then I want a Nikon F because mm-hmm. um, I like I like my Nikon F2 and the Nikon glass is so much better my, from my perspective on my Sony digital than Minolta. Makes sense. So, yeah, I think I think I lenses are per, like the the twenty four millimeter. It's absolutely perfect on the Sony. I I love that lens. Well, all you all you need to do that is just go go back to uh, say the eighties, um, and it was a case of Nikon lenses were the benchmark uh, that everything was 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 judged against as, as far as SLRs were concerned uh, because they that it was the uh, the Canon of the day, uh, the Canon L glass of the day, if you if you like, they were they were the lenses that other lenses were, were and systems were were judged against. I not to say they, mm-hmm. they were the best, um, but you knew that within the, you there were there were no stinkers in there, and, and many of them were 
you know, as as good as the, as they come. I mean, my my vote for uh, um, a mount system would be uh, contact Yashica. Um but that is largely because that's that's just where my 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 history uh, with uh, shooting film cameras comes from. Was uh, starting off with Yashica and then moving on to contact. Um, the good news is as well that although the Carl's Ice lenses are, are pretty expensive i would say probably too much for what they are uh, no matter what the lenses i think they're all over overpriced um, but they're still very good lenses um, but you've also got the the choice of uh, the yashica lenses as well um, and the few of those lenses um, i'm 95 percent convinced are optically identical uh, to yeah. some of the Carl's Ice lenses, uh, working out which ones are which, those another matter. Um, but but the Yoshika lenses, they were they were really good lenses, especially when they were from the ML range. Um, they were just they were great lenses, and um, so you can and you can pick them up at, at sensible prices as well. So that will be my uh, my vote. But that's just pretty much just based on favoritism, really, more than more than anything. Makes sense. It's it's funny. Be um, the, those are you're right, Simon. I think those are excellent. It's just they're not quite as plentiful. I mean, we it's funny at Central Camera we have. I mean, we have hundreds and hundreds of lenses, and I think on the shelf right now we have like four CY lenses, and uh, I, and I think three of the four are just like kind of run of the mill zoom lenses. So it's just we. I mean, at least, and it, this might be also um, a market sort of thing. I, I think in the U.S., you know, Canon and Nikon just really always kind of ruled, and you see loads and loads and loads of that stuff. I mean, we have like our overstock on Nikon bodies is just absurd. We have so many of them. Um, but contact contact Yashica? No, we never. I mean, we never see that stuff. It, but they're they're great cameras. But I think just in, at least in the U.S. market that that Canon and Nikon were so dominant that you just don't see a lot of it. And now in the UK, it could very well be different. You know, they may be more plentiful, um, but they're, they're relatively infrequent to turn up at least over here. And we don't, we, we buy, we buy a lot of used equipment and very rarely do we see a context Yashica body. Um, and it, it's just, that's just the market, you know? Yeah. Well, the other, the other part of this is, and it goes back to what I was saying about the about the cameras themselves. Uh, I just love uh, the, the the contacts bodies, uh, the, yeah. the the Japanese yeah, yeah. contacts. Uh, and I had a one five nine mm to start off with, and I would say anything from that that uh, camera onwards, I, th I think, just make for brilliant cameras. The, the yep. ergonomics on them yep, are, yep. as far as I'm concerned, the second to none. And they've they've still got a, a modern feel to them, even though they're quite getting quite old the downside is of course heavily they're heavily electronic and mm -hmm. at some point they're just going to fall over and they'll never work again and that that will be the end of them and that's that's really the achilles heel with the uh, with those those later contacts cameras yeah for sure yeah <clears throat> that's that's so true I, and and i mean all all anything electronic can be problematic um it doesn't matter who made it i mean anything from 80s 90s electronics wise is it's all likely to have problems. Um, and, and again, this is maybe where, again, I would say Minolta and Olympus in particular are, can be a good value because I, I would say Minolta SRT cameras in particular, I see so many of those that are just like, they're perfect. I don't get it. I mean, they, there's so many of them that come in and they're just in great, working order they don't need light seals they don't need anything and they're they're just working great and they're they're just kind of bulletproof and 
Uh, Olympus OM is pretty good too. Like uh, OM ones tend to hold up really well. Not quite as good as as SRTs, um, but they tend to hold up real well. So, you know, to me, those particular, if you're going to shoot film cameras, I'm a little partial to those because the film camera bodies are more affordable. They tend to hold up really well and the lenses are cheaper. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, if contacts Yashica was more plentiful, I would say for sure that would be at least over here in this market, in the U S market would be a great value because they're, yeah, they're excellent. I, I agree with you. Simon. Okay. Well, before we move on to the last part of this question, I, I'm, I'm just going to yeah. throw out there that perhaps those Minolta cameras are um, in such good condition because of the lenses. <laughs> Um, so, um, yeah, move, moving on, um, uh, the, uh, the cl- classic, classic large format lenses. I, th- I have a sticky feeling this is going to be a short, short answer in this one, because, uh, I don't think any of us are any experts on, on large format lenses. I don't know about yourself, Johnny, I've got a bit of experience, but only, uh, my experience can be measured in about three months. Um, so, um, and, well, uh, <laughs> Uh, I, well, okay. I, I, well, go ahead. Go ahead, Simon. All right. Whatever. I mean, I, 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 I buy and sell. I mean, we buy and sell a lot of large format lenses. Um, it's funny. Just this month in particular at Central Camera, we were trying to get more stuff on eBay because we, we've been neglecting it a little bit because, honestly, eBay sucks from a seller standpoint. The fees are stupid. The, you know, the buyers are usually good, but you're always taking a chance. So it, it's kind of a major pain in the ass to be quite honest um but we've made a we've we've tried to get more stuff up on ebay and we've in particular i was like well we've got a a lot of large format lenses right now so i was putting up all these large format lenses and they've actually we've sold a bunch of them the last 30 days which is kind of cool and actually everything mentioned here in the email from baz i've sold at least one of these uh this month Uh, nikon schneider fuji rodenstock um and I, they're all excellent. I mean, it's it's hard to say there's kind of a stinker large format maker out there. Um, you just there just isn't really. I mean, anything that that's relatively recent, and and there's a lot of large format lenses out there from like the uh, 80s and 90s um, that are just. I mean, it's they're fantastic. So there, I wouldn't say there's one brand in particular that's bad. Um, maybe some hold up a little bit better. There are certain lenses that tend to have, uh, problems with separation. Schneider lenses are notable for Schneideritis, which is the, the breakdown in the, um, the blackening, the, 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 the black paint around the edges of the, of the lens elements, you get some bubbles and such there. So, but it doesn't really have an effect on image quality. So, it's hard to say that there's a like a bad maker of large format lenses. Um, I guess what you would see is maybe some of the older large format lenses that you'll see from that came off of uh, like speed graphics from back in the day. There there might be some that aren't quite as strong there, but again, you got to remember those were meant for press cameras. They weren't really made to have a lot of uh, uh, to be to be used on cameras where you're going to do a lot of lens tilts and swings and lens movements. So there's some that I guess you could fault as not covering um, as much film area, but that's not really a that's it's not really a fault. That's just how they were made, right? Um, so I don't know. It's hard to say with large format. I don't feel like there's a lot of real dog lenses out there, especially in the 
the 120 to 210 range. Well, the other, the other part of that is how these lenses get used as well. Uh, right. Because unless you're doing something, and, and, it, and this is like a relative, relatively modern thing where you, you're putting on a uh, some kind of uh, aero lens, a surveillance lens or something like that, which is going to be you know, a, a really, really fast lens. And, uh, and we're talking like, like the Aero Ektar, 173 millimeter, I think it is, f2.5. Um, and people who are shooting those wide open uh, to, to, and that particular lens gives you, it's like the ultimate biotar um, and swirly, swirly bokeh lens and things like that. But that's, it's quite a minority of people that are, are using large format in that way. Generally speaking, a large format lens is stopped down um, right, right and and really the the there's an absolute advantage by having a fast lens a relatively fast lens because i mean i've got a, a couple of lenses that i'm using mainly and one's an f4.5 which is a 152 millimeter kodak lens um and i've got a woolen sack which is um 90 millimeter 6.8 or 6.9 and the, the the difference in in using that that woolen sack which is wide open at 6.9 it's actually pretty di difficult to to get your focus and it's a little bit dark at the edges and uh mm -hmm. it's it's a tricky lens to use but they're not designed to be used wide open that, that the wide openness part of them <laughs> is all about focusing and right. making the making the screen as, as bright as it can be without making the lens too expensive as well i guess um, but when you're actually using one of these f, f uh, 6.8 lenses they're expecting you to be um, shooting at f22 f32 some, something like that you'll certainly stop down i think i was reading um uh, Cheyenne Morrison sent me some information on on this particular woolen sack that i have and i and the advert was saying that something on the lines of it's sharp from about f12.5 or something like that which sounds a bit ridiculous but that's just how it is because you you will be stopping down considerably with these lenses to get to get sharpness so most most of these old lenses if you're going to use them in the way that they were designed are going to give you good sharpness it's only when you're going to start using lenses in a different way when you're shooting wide open when they weren't really designed to be shot wide open because you're after a, a, a particular look um that's that's when you're going to see some differences um but you know you, you've got a question if that's the way you want to shoot large format or not um there's lots of you know, at the end of the day there's no one way to to, to shoot although generally speaking though you know large format you 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 do stop down um the other the other side of things and you mentioned about age then you went back to speed graphics well you, know, you can go back a lot further and, and look at the, yeah. the barrel lenses and I've got <laughs> sure. a couple of these and and these are these are lenses that if you do shoot wide open they are soft and they're like the early uh, soft portrait lenses they weren't actually designed to be soft portrait lenses but they um, they became used that way because uh, the early photographers realized actually let's shoot these things wide open to make them soft and uh, and then they started to deliberately make lenses in in that way um, so that's a, another another way you can potentially think about on these these lenses but generally speaking most of them are, are tessars and they are well corrected um lenses that are designed to be sharp when stopped down so mm -hmm. um there you go that's 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 the sum total of my large format lens. <laughs> well, but you're, you're you're really you're onto something there i i would i was just going to mention um you know the, the keep in mind i guess that that the first thing to be perfected in photography was was large format because that's where photography started i mean small format cameras were a, a you know a, a brand new thing still in the 1930s even really um 
it, because Leicas were still relatively recent. So, it, you know, a lot of that got worked out very early on. And, and generally you have a lot of extra image circle um, covering the film. So, I mean, it's like just a lot of large format lenses are just excellent that are over a hundred years old, you know, and it's worth, it's worth noting that, um, you know, the, the F group F 64, uh, founded by, you know, among other people, Ansel Adams, Edward Weston and Imogen Cunningham. Um, they called their group F the group F 64 as the name of their group, because you, you know, everybody understood that you were, you were stopping lenses down uh, a very goodly amount uh, to to get great image quality, so it, it even lent itself uh, to the name of that that group of photographers who were doing uh, you know pictorialist uh, photography in the in the early to mid twentieth century. So um, yeah, it's hard to get a a, a super dog uh, large format lens. Yeah, cool. I think the biggest cool. the biggest issue with, with them is uh, the shutters that come with them as well. So sure. will your shutter yeah. be accurate? Uh, that's right. that's going to be the right. uh, big bigger issue really. Yeah, it's funny that you I, I, the lens you mentioned there, uh, Simon. I had that literally in my hands yesterday. I I was I sold a, um, well, speaking of a large formula, I mean, I sold I sold a uh, Fujinon uh, ninety millimeter f five six, which is a, a big, beautiful, massive wide angle four by five lens. Um, but one of the lenses I was also kind of working with, I had to swap. Uh, swap a shutter, um, get a lens off a shutter to put a lens on a shutter. And the lens I took off a shutter was a the exact lens you just mentioned. And I was thinking, boy, I'd sure like to have this lens for myself. Um, uh, that little woolen sack. Woolen sacks are excellent. I mean, the coatings on them are, are really good, um, even the older lenses. So those are, a, I think, a, a value a value four by five lens would be Woolen Sachs, just in, in 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 speaking in general. Okay, yeah. great. Well, I <laughs> there's our Christmas spirit again. <laughs> Is... no, but, no, actually, it was to announce some really good news. Well, you guys were going on and oh, on about geez. large format lenses that no one uses. Um, <laughs> I, I got the aperture to open all the way to one point eight. On my um, on my old um, auto Takamar, <laughs> by just sitting here and fiddling around with the arming lever and the pin, I don't know. I don't even know what I did, but um, hey, it works. Didn't, didn't the, somebody mention maybe you should? The lens works normally now, all the way closed to open. <laughs> it's not strange anymore. I don't know what I don't know what the deal was with it. Um, it's a little thing called user error, Carl. <laughs> This is a strange lens. It's a strange lens. Oh, but anyway, yeah. But uh, along with that, I'm, I'm going to do this part. This is my recommendation for the week. <laughs> if someone is looking for a really cool lens that is not an expensive lens, that is beautiful on a full frame and APS-C, the, the early Auto Takamar that um, has an arming lever on the, on the base of the lens, and it's an M42, 55 2.2. It's a wonderful lens. But are you getting 3D pop with that lens? Because I know that's a big concern for you. Would you say they do that? The street lens. And now this one won't open up all the way. <laughs> what the <laughs> f That's okay. I'll get it figured out. But I, it's a really nice lens, yeah. I, I, I think now we've, um, we've seen that we've, we've boot, uh, is it bookmarked? Uh, bookcased? Something on those lines. Um, 
Um, with, <laughs> with jingle bells. Um, I, I'm not sure if that is the right phrase there. Um, I think it's time to... Bookended. We bookended. That's it. I knew it was a book was okay. in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, so uh, now, now that we've done that, I I think we should bring the, things to a to an yeah, end now, um, so people can uh, do whatever it is they're going to do at Christmas or uh, or, yep. or not, and say bar humbug, bar humbug, uh, which is pretty much what I do at this time of year. Um, so uh, Johnny, um, perhaps you want to tell us how people. Oh. I thought something else, but I'll, I'll come back to that. Johnny, do you want to, have, nope, if nope. You want to tell us about how uh, people can follow you and uh, things like that? All right. Well, uh, yes, indeed. You you can find me on uh, Instagram where I am again posting <laughs> almost every day after a little break. I'm uh, at System Photography on Instagram. Um, you can find me occasionally in the classic uh, Photography with Classic Lenses Facebook group on Facebook if I haven't quit yet, because people are annoying me. Um, you can find me in Central Camera Company in Chicago uh, every day but Monday. And if you try to come on Sunday, we're closed, so you won't find me there either. Um, they're at the camera sales counter. Um, and that's where you can find me. And this is the part where I am supposed to say you can send us an email at uh, classiclensespodcast at gmail.com, and we will read we meaning I will read that email. Um, so s send Simon and Carl an email and I'll read it at classic lenses podcast at gmail.com and on Instagram. Be sure to hashtag your lens photos, your classic lens photos with the hashtag best vintage lens. And that will get you featured uh, perhaps over in the best vintage lens um, face, uh, Instagram group. So do that as well. That's it. And you can also read a better version of the podcast notes over there as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and Carl? Sure. You can um, find me at the uh, Photography with Classic Lenses Facebook page, where I post almost daily. Um, also, Instagram, where I post about daily too, and it's just Carl Havens. And then, um, and then I catalog my images on, um, on Flickr with my name. And uh, before I give my stuff out, I've just want to say thank you to those people that have donated to us this week um, and we have a couple of messages one from uh, Nigel Cliff um, talking about last week's show uh, saying that uh, another another cracking show and I doubt I'll be looking to adapt any of my re uh, remaining Canon DSLR lenses at these prices now I think he's talking about the uh, uh, the Ed Mika conversion there and I, th I think of I think we have to be fair to Ed Mika there it's not a a cheap product but the thing is when any I think if you do absolutely anything in low volume uh, then that's that's just the nature of things um, if something's like produced by by the thousand, then uh, things are yeah you know, can be very very cheap. But um, when you're uh, involved in the cottage industry and there's a lot of uh, work that you're doing yourself there in terms of the design and also the production and all the, all those things that go with it, then these things just aren't cheap. So it's just how it is. But uh, well, thank you, uh, thank you, Nigel. And I also wanted to say a big thanks to Ron Whiteman. Um, who donated this week to us as well 
Um, thanks to you all and all the uh, sorry. Thanks for all you do. Uh, I anxiously await each new episode. Uh, you guys do a great job. Although listening to the Classic Lenses podcast costs me hard hard earned cash every week. It's all good. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I don't know how much we've cost you this week, Ron. But um, thank you uh, very much for uh, donating to us. And I also just want a quick uh, shout out to those people that. Um, have a uh, a recurring donation to us so uh, that will be uh, James Thorpe and uh, Lawrence Dunn so um, thank you for your uh, continued support as well um, so finally I just want to say uh, goodbye for myself so um I have a website which is simonforsterphotographic.co.uk. I'm on Instagram as uh, Simon Forster Photographic and that's where I put the um a post about this podcast every week as well as putting up some other pictures i try to post there every day i'm on twitter is simon four and i'm also on ebay if you do a seller search for it's fozzy that's i-t-s-f-o-z-z-y um so finally uh merry christmas to you all uh, and from all of us and um so i mean, hope you've enjoyed listening to today's show and uh we'll see you again next week bye-bye No, it won't pull. Oh, no, that, well, that's the point with the lever, isn't it? You got the lever instead. No, the yeah. lever is the launches the aperture, though. Yeah, I can't. I can't uh, open did it you, all the way, no matter. No, what. Simon actually has a good point there. Did you try? <laughs> Thanks, John. Arming. <laughs> yeah, no problem, Simon. Did you? <laughs> but that was the case though with uh, when it was at Toys R Us. <laughs> Um, yeah, and um, and especially it, it winter. You know, I'd, I'd, I would answer the phone. Um, hello, welcome. Uh, thank you for calling Toys R Us. We're open till eight o'clock, and we have no sledges. <laughs> and, and uh, I, was, I genuinely did that, and, it, and like, I believe you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> so I want to I want to show you something. Let's see. Can I get video? Yeah. We don't want to see. We don't want to see that. No, look how look how cool this little. Look at this beautiful little. (laughs) No, 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 we definitely don't want to see it. Please God, no! Look, isn't it nice? We can't see you. What are you? What are you showing us?